0: I love it. It's so. What was the name? It had a really ridic- funny name. It's like, "Come fly with me." Yeah, come fly
1: with me. With me. <laughs> and you know that was. You know there was a group of like junior level executives. that's like, Quentin, I've got this great idea. What about? Oh what about? No, let no. Land. Let me land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I learned this when I was at Warwick. Um, basically, <laughs> you know, there was like a rager night there. It's amazing. Oh, um, <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, you know, like, come fly with me. But if we take the th and make it a d, <laughs> how did this spell me? Was it me or mi?
0: I think it's probably. no M- way.
2: It was mi.
1: <laughs> come fly with me. I think it's mi or like that's, me. That's too much. It's
0: definitely not just me.
1: <laughs> like this is for people that think Nan knows this somehow. Look, Caribbean. In, like, come on,
0: we're gonna do this in real time. We're gonna find out right now. Come
1: fly with me.
0: <laughs> Why? Wid. It is an MI. <laughs> it's
1: no. <laughs> uh,
0: and no E after come.
1: Co- <laughs> Look, C-O-M. at some point you're just dyslexic. C-O-M. Like, come fly me. with me. Fly
0: with me.
3: Welcome to another episode of Black in a Box. The world is told by black faces in white spaces. Real good. All oh, good, man. Yeah. All good, cosy. The fleece is out. The fleece is out. The hat is
1: out.
0: The hat is out.
3: You're just comfy.
1: I got that come from work, but freshly shined shoes. Like he's got his
3: yeah, red socks on. He's yeah, running for office in. <laughs> <laughs> in? Oh nearly said where? I nearly called out your your, your location. Ugh. But that's
0: straight from downing. Speaking of, socks. got
3: ready to go up Keir Starmer's batty <laughs> <laughs> <to start laughs> of the end of that <laughs> Boof! <laughs> what? Oh dear. Black History Month has closed out for another year. If you're in the UK, if you're in the US, it's coming right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And we'll wheel this up then. But let's talk about it. It's, it's always an interesting month. It's certainly post twenty twenty two you you kind of find yourself l- approaching it with a certain amount of cynicism mm. as to what kind of what kind of nonsense is gonna be rolled out where is the sincerity what people gonna claim to be interested in and yeah often depending on the way you where you look you're not disappointed, slash are disappointed by, by what you find. Now was you, not normally known for being a cynic, who asked, <laughs> is, <laughs> is Black
1: History Month dead? What did you mean by that? So, to be open, I did, at, at work, um, give a number of talks. Well, actually, I gave one talk three times um, for Black History Month, which, again, at my work, was really Black History Week. Um, and again, cards on the table. I know Dan that you did some uh, talks and events at work, but the, the, I think the problem for me is that 2020, it was like the UK was like, right, like you know, black people have been going through it <laughs> like, for real. Like they, they, it's not just in America, you know. Mm. Apparently, apparently, like there's people in the UK getting fucked up. It's crazy. We're listening, Black Square. Uh, here's money, which I, I appreciate. Um, and and <laughs> then you get some of it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm, i I, 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 I may, I, you've been doing a 419 again. What, <laughs> what's been happening here? No, like 20 uh, uh, October 2020, I I did do a number, of, I did do a few events. Um, Angela History Month, <laughs> as it was cold in Hull. <laughs> I was like, Yes, I am Kofi. I'll, um, do it. <laughs> 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 um. But yeah, no, so what, what I've noticed is it's very difficult for, um, especially with the government of the day that we have, especially in the wake of the Seoul report, especially in the wake of what's been happening also with the Labour Party, for, and especially in the wake of it's, there is a cynicism to it. And we made an editorial decision that we're not doing anything for Black History Month because actually it sort of the, the podcast is called Black in a Box it's meant to be a riff on this idea that it's you know Black History Month you have the box you know I did the, I did this sketch a couple of years ago um, of you know the teachers would bring out your Black History Month and in it there's Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King and all of this stuff and I think the reason I didn't want to do I won't speak for the for the rest of the team is because I don't think that, first of all, I don't like the term black. We've talked about this ad nauseum, I'm not gonna go into it again, but second of all, the idea that you can kind of fit all of black history into a month, as opposed to just having something that's fully integrated, um, is is ludicrous. Um, and I think, I'll speak for myself, Dan, obviously speak afterwards, I think the reason that I asked to do it at my place of work was because I was like, if I see another thing that kind of goes slavery, windrush, Barack Obama, Raheem Sterling, I'm gonna just I'm just <laughs> gonna lose I'm just gonna lose my mind. And and you laugh. There is a thing at my place of work where people have drawn figures for uh, of what they think of when they think of Black History Month, and it is it's Barack Obama, Barack Obama, Beyonce. Um, Michelle Obama, um, Megan, no, no, Meghan oh. Markle, and I, <laughs> I swear, like I swear, oh. I was going to be like, yes, yes. you ever wrote that one day? There's about, Megan. there's about three Raheem Sterlings. and you just go if yeah. if that's all, if that's all, if that's, if that's if that's if that's what you're going to reduce it down to, it's not serious. And actually, the best way to honour the legacies of the people that have come before us is perhaps not to engage in this. But Dan, you did it slightly differently at work. In your work.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think we can. I, there was a lot of hand wringing over this in, you know, in my house, in my mind. And I think for me, I came to the position of, of, of that: how much do you want it to do? Like, how much? How much do you expect that that period of time to? How much change do you expect it to deliver? And. For for me, uh, initially, I was asked if I would um, take part in the month, and they were doing some uh, like some profiles of different employees, and it wasn't like self-nominated. So you'd got re- referred by someone else who was in you know, presumably had a profile at, in a certain part of the business, and then you had to write which of the it was like which of the values do you. Uh, the the company values do you think aligns closest to you and then a bit about your job and i was just like one i've been here a year like i don't the, the values like <laughs> it, it's just it's a branding device i get it i understand it i was in branding to they just it's exactly what you said wheel them out out we're doing well wheel them back in and move on and to be honest in a corporate structure as as <coughs> Uh, as a a minority who is capable and can cope with a lot of the nonsense that comes from being in those structures these days you can do very well because it's it's the companies that advance individuals like that or have them visible at certain levels get they, they tend to be performing better for, for a number of different reasons so for them you know to see it's a, the a CSR play as well as like being uh, financially better to have people like that front and center and I had a long chat with we it's our director of uh, impact and inclusion and uh, just Serena she she's new and we chatted for like uh, an hour she's a black woman and I was just like I said this and she said look i've had all i did all had all these concerns myself and it's just like at some point which is when i was brought in to change this i knew knew all these things were different so at some point though it's it's really tough it's like you have to try and change these systems and change the perception of places from the inside and so unfortunately the window that you get exposure to make a positive impact like for better or for worse you're gonna have people's attention for black issue month in in terms of in the corporate structure you're gonna have their they're gonna be listening to you they're gonna be like forced to to listen to you so it that is like it can be a bit of a catalyst moment if you are genuine about wanting to do you know you say underlying change at least try and attempt to make a place a bit more habitable and hospitable and welcoming to black people i think that's a baseline of what you can get in a corporate structure it's never going to be we're going to change the outlook or anything it's going to be can i make life better for the black people that work here and make it better for people that come in and and give people a bit more credit and value that we work with that's that to me is is a point and i said you know what i can take some sort of Slings and arrows. I, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to put my to to be one of like they only needed like twelve people. So I said I'll go and do this. And then later on, someone else was like, "Oh, we we're gonna do a panel. Do you want to go and talk to uh, like Maggie fancy and Topsoojo about about facing rugby?" And I was like, "Okay, are you gonna can i say anything?" And they're like, "Yeah." Like, and then we had the the run through. And it was a bit of like, oh, we need to like make it positive to them. <laughs> <laughs> but then like we so so we did. And, and like Maggie Alphonse, like former England rugby captain, uh, absolute legend, eighty three caps, um done it all. MBE lot, whether you like that or not. But she's done many amazing things in her career. Director at Vitality, like legend on speaker circuit, mm. and she was like, <clears throat> "Dan, like, we got this. Don't worry about it." Went on the day, did the speech, did what, just had the conversation we wanted to have, and in the end, you know, it was it. it we got good feedback for it. I know that from people reaching out to me, like in the business, they were they were pleased with the program of events because was quite a lot of events, and in terms of making it a better space for the black people in that business, it helped us achieve that goal. And I think in the end, I thought that is, that is as much as you can hope for in in, in terms of what those, what, what Black History Month can achieve on a corporate level for now. People that, you know, businesses are gonna use it for like to try and pat themselves on the back, but Ultimately, you know, if there are also businesses where, that are having schemes and programs that are helping people on the inside there, I'm willing to, I decided like, I'm willing to, to sort of put up with that, that pay that cost, I would say,
1: so to speak. I think zooming out, the the worry that I have and why I'm somewhat cynical is that the things that actually make change they first happen in small spaces or educational spaces, and then the second it gets into anywhere close to the mainstream, it then gets demonized. Because I remember in 2018 looking at decolonize working decolonizing work, and this idea that actually if you you need to unpick the structures, and then that whole that whole thing start getting attacked in the mainstream. I remember in 2018 looking at critical race theory and this being like, oh, actually, again, deconstructing the idea of race being a good thing. And now, obviously, in America, that is used... You've got these... You've got, like, you know, Joe in Idaho is like, I'm, I'm really worried about that um, critical race theory. What does it mean? I'm not sure, but it's got something to do with the blacks. And it's like... The, the, it's my, my, my frustration, and it's exactly what you said, there's only so much that can be done, you've got to be realistic about your goal setting. But for me, if Black History Month was kind of like the outward public facing thing, but then behind the scenes you've got work on decolonization, you've got work on critical race theory, you've got work on kind of uh, like gender justice, anything that kind of you do that leads towards equality is, that helps all people is gonna also help black people. and I those things are being attacked. And that's why kind of this this year uh Black History Month was happening against a backdrop, as I say, of the Sewell report, of what's been the Ford report. Um and just being like there isn't we and, and I'm not against this, but there isn't a natural political home for people of colour in this country. And then you go, well hold on, maybe there is for kind of like affluent religious right black people from west africa maybe there is a political home for them and maybe there is a political home for different parts of the diaspora and maybe the discussion needs to be that has black history month served its purpose but for me if it, if, if it was part of a wider pr- package of things that was happening throughout the year then yes but if it's just this one thing where it's like dan here's here's yeah. a 20k budget uh, go ham and for yeah. one month you'll have eyes and ears but if it's if it is just that window f- thing that's why I'm cynical
3: yeah I think yeah I think I'm gonna open it up here I feel like you're, you're bundling it up in too much like you can those are lots of different things which are affected by lots of different structures like big political things which we, we are not gonna fix we know the power is concentrated in the minority of, of, of very few like Black History Month to me, and I'm looking at this optimistically. It is a month. It's a month period where there's basically a a window of opportunity in order to to do things. Whether you put education in there, whether it's naked like commercialism in there, it's it's a month window to to have those conversations. Now, are we having the right conversations? And are are the systems in place for us to to begin? Um, schemes programs things which are going to improve a lot of black people in the UK maybe not but is that should that window continue to exist and, and be, be fought for and, and be um, held up as generally a good thing I reckon so Dom
2: I just look at it nowadays the same way that I look at something like nine Hill Carnival or Carnival wherever you're from I I, I genuinely because I've, I've thought about this quite a bit I used to think that, probably naively, I used to think that there was some kind of real value in terms of Black History Month of people learning, people engaging who typically wouldn't. Mm. I don't think that that is Black History Month. No. I don't at all. I think, if anything, one of the few benefits of Black History Month is that black people get to see people who are probably more important, way more important to them than to non-black people being lifted onto a pedestal that aren't usually and it's just kind of a black pride month that we would potentially feel more than anybody else that isn't black yeah I, i'd really look at it like that because it doesn't really serve any other purpose
0: well that's kind of what i was thinking too like what is the actual utility of black history month and that's why i don't even think it should be called black history month because at least growing up in the states like i didn't learn black history i didn't yeah. like it was kind of just this month that was floating around there that was like, if you want to do something with it, then go ahead and you can do something with this month. But I didn't ever learn anything, not in school, not culturally, like not outside of school. I had to take it upon myself to find groups that would give me sort of like cultural exposure to blackness or what that meant, almost like a black pride. And I was actually thinking about that because I was like, I feel like here in the UK, I'm probably back in the States, too. There's so much that you visually see about Pride Month. Um, so, like, queer pride. Um, and I feel like, at least from my perspective, there does seem to be a huge learning there and a, more of, like, a celebration. But then in Black History Month, it's kind of like, I don't really see... I don't see any actions off the back of that. The only actions I've ever really seen are black organizations using it again as like a pride month. Um, but then like, we're black. <laughs> we don't yeah, need this, that, this, this like it's I was, 365 for I, us. I
2: was, I was about to say, I was about to say, I would love to hear um, anybody that's LGBTQ plus talk about the, the way that they view pride month, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be too surprised if it's not too dissimilar to the way that we look at. Black Probably people. not, yeah, probably not. Because I mean, we probably see pride as being a bigger thing because we have got people and it is important to us, but mm-hmm. we've got people that really feel that month mm-hmm. because we know gay people, we know queer people. Mm-hmm. But again, we're in a bubble. Yeah. <laughs> we're in a bubble, which is probably why we feel it way more than other people. If you go and ask the average Joe, I bet they don't engage with Pride Month either. Yeah. Um,
3: the, the other side of it is like, the black population is what? Again, why can we say this every time? 3%, 8% in London. So in saying like what, is the purpose of it having that having a month out of twelve where it's acknowledged across the UK? Given how things are going in this society, if that was to disappear, I promise you, you will feel it. Yeah, I promise you, you will feel that.
0: Maybe I guess it just doesn't feel. And again, coming from the states where we just have more Black people in the states, mm. maybe that's MLK why. Huh? Twelve percent. I
3: think MLK Day, Kwanzaa. Yeah, I mean we have. To, cool <laughs> Say it again. Kwanzaa. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Double A. okay
0: (laughs) sure um yeah it just it feels you know what's funny actually i hear more about black history here than i do or than i did living in the u.s like what black
2: history though what black history
0: i hear about the month here like i i see you know uh, I was invited to do like, a, like go to a Peloton class where it was like Black History Month themed. Or like, I see a lot more of that here in the UK than I ever did in the States. Maybe it's slightly different if it's, I were to go back now. And also the States is hu- are huge. We, so. we have
1: to have Black History Month here so that we can learn how the original Marvel <laughs> superhero, William Wilberforce, stopped slavery. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't even think they go that far back anymore. No. Oh, they—they they, obviously they do up in up 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 in Yorkshire. They do because William Wilberforce is synonymous with Hull. Yeah, but this is the thing. Like when I look at any kind of
2: Black History content nowadays, it is more focused on what you just said. It's talking about pioneers in sport, very current people in sport. Mm-hmm. It's talking about athletes. It's talking about artists. It's, we never go back and. Really read about the, the the significant Black historians in the UK yeah. that would I think make more of a difference because again a lot of people associate Black history in the UK starting really and truly with Windrush mm. mm-hmm. and I think until that is addressed <laughs> society wide which but is this, not going to be and this was one of the, the th- point? this
1: was it? one of the points I made I made at my work was like I looked at the PowerPoint that had been done I was like you start with Windrush I think I might be the only Black Jamaican or, or Black Caribbean at, at the school. I don't know that the the people that are from, like, Nigeria are going to really give a crap about Windrush because it's not yeah. their people. Um, and I think that, again, the reason we have to have Black History Month is because, and the reason it was always the way that it was, was because I think it's all about narrative building. It's all about being like, this is... Um, Britain is, Britain is actually wild. Brit, Brit, the, the Britain will tell you oh, that no their role, their, the, the, the British role in the slave trade was just ending it. And also, <laughs> also, don't forget, and anybody that's, is it in Natives? It's I, I knew about it before, but I'm pretty sure it's in Natives, where Riccardo makes the point that when, uh, in 2011, it kind of came out that the British state had undertaken a industrial scale operation to destroy the records that related operation to the Legacy. period yeah because yeah. it was like you can just imagine some poor little joe in the like some civil servant looking at the records being like we can't let the world <laughs> wow we did some bad shit <laughs> Woo! burn that um and so yeah i that's my cynical thing i think that even the most right-wing—I won't say even the most right-wing Tory Party, because that suggests that it can get more <laughs> right-wing—and don't, and as we learned with Pre Patel and sweller Bradman, don't, don't see Beetlejuice three times. Um, but even the most right-wing Conservative government would, I think, would want to keep Black History Month, because I think you said you would feel if it wasn't there. I think, especially with younger generations, they would go, "Well, hold on, let me do some independent research." And they don't, They, I think they would much rather you keep looking at Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, um, Linford Christie, Raheem Sterling, Jude Bellingham, than they would than they, than they would at actual history because the history doesn't make Britain look good.
0: But that's also like kind of where I was going to go with my point is like, in terms of the utility of the month, for me, it has always felt like it is for, uh, you know, the capitalist machine to basically pander to a, A group of people like it's it's used to me it feels used it feels like it's used by people to uh, gain um, people to be on their side or like bought in because for me I think that for it to be used productively actually and and to be a month that opens up doors or um, incites sort of cultural change it has to be An education piece and that can't just be like a tick box exercise. It can't be like a, this is our black history month week, or this is like our day Mm -hmm. where we're going to talk about black history. It has to be like consistent, like a consistent effort. And even in like your corporate setting, maybe what it needs to be is like, okay, black history month, uh, 2023, these are some of the targets that we're going to set within our company. By the next Black History Month, let's do a measurement. You try to put so KPIs
1: on hard. Black no, History Month. No, well, is- well,
0: I mean, there, <laughs> but it needs to be there. Needs to be yeah, there. Needs to be just, KPIs because otherwise, like, then so it's just, like, you're just
3: doing it for I no agree. reason. I agree. I so, agree. And you've you've come I'm round. Like my action affirmative. Thank you. You've <laughs> come round. <laughs> you've come round to, to the point of it, right? And that And this is what Serena was was, was trying to say to me. It's like, well, you know, we've, it's you've got to have a start at some point. At the last place I worked at. They had a diversity charter, um, which was supposed to hold them to account. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, they, they what they did it for two years whilst I was there. I like contributed to it and changed it in the second year I was there. It's it's a start. If you've got something written down, you know we can at least fight on that lie. But things <laughs> start with stats, don't
2: they? They start with stats, and I know it's ridiculous. It seems reductive to say we need. 15% of our workforce to look a certain way. But that 15% is really, really important yeah. to the maybe 2% that get hired in afterwards, because if you've got 15% of people within your middle management that are a certain way, that means something. It really does mean yeah, something. Yeah, you
0: kind of so- almost just need to like get the, you've got to the get it figures started. going. I mean, yeah. like I work in sustainability, and it's like so much of what we do feels like, again, like, like it is a tick box exercise, but you need it to, to get the ball rolling to in order to actually then have a sustainable business?
2: Yeah, I'll just say Black History Month to me, it looks like the focus is always on heroes who happen to be black, right? Mm, like yeah. Michael Jordan happens to be black, Beyonce happens to be black, when it needs to really focus on black heroes. Yeah. Heroes who did something for the advancement of the cause of black people and other mm-hmm. people. That is a really important distinction that I don't think any real organizations that want to make a change are taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Like don't focus on Duke Bellingham <laughs> when <laughs> we had Luda Equiano. Like these are really important distinctions to make. And yes, you can, if you're teaching four year olds, be like, who's your favorite black person? Yeah. If you are in Barnsley and there's two black people in your entire town, fair enough. But I think we just need to work so much harder to really shape what a black hero looks like.
3: Mm-hmm. And and if you've got no one in your business that can that can inform some of that decision-making, go external. <laughs> I obviously dropped a bombshell last episode. <laughs> Bunk <laughs> flex, put the bombs on it.
1: <laughs> C- can we, we actually bang. link back to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, that? <laughs> we have a scoop, having a kid. What, sorry? <laughs> this is exactly the response that you want on air. What? <laughs> having a child. So, thanks for your response, guys. <laughs> what's having? Hey, what, what, what's what's? Happening? I already knew. I'm having a child. No, you're not. Really? Yeah. Child on the way. Child on the way. Um, as people will know, they so have gone through that process themselves, trying to get a house as well at the same time because you know a studio flat it's fine for the birth <laughs> and they, you know babies will sleep in a drawer <laughs> but they do need somewhere else to live and
2: <laughs> and daddy can't be working on the toilet exactly, <laughs> exactly.
3: some of my best work <laughs> some of my best work um and it, so many things i didn't even consider consider or like think of like you you okay well we're gonna try and get that house and then nursery Ute's not even out. Ute's it's not been not out, out for like six months. So obviously two and a half, like you, on the waiting list for like two years or whatever, and you got to check them out, and then you got to go and put a deposit down. You got to put a deposit down. No. Yeah, yeah, way. yeah. On the obviously on the nursery. There is nothing that runs Rosco. your pockets more than having a kid. Are you yeah. about to have a kid? You
1: may run me your money. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> but it's just, well, just to, to be
3: fair to them because they're so <laughs> they're in so high demand. The places. You got to put. It's not massive, but you've got to. You put everyone who wants to go and go on the waiting list puts a deposit down. So it's yeah. That that obviously gets And then how many people gonna be on the waiting list? So you might have hundreds, and then it's not coming back for however long. Imagine that you've got like
1: <laughs> this is down, the, this wrong, is the new mafia. The right <laughs> yeah. honestly, honestly, honestly. It'd be a terrible I'm shame if you couldn't find some childcare. <laughs> Because you were too unwilling to pay the deposit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm obviously not going to air out the group chat or the individual messages, but the message you sent me when you told me about having the best financial position of my life. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is happened. There it goes. <laughs> yeah. I was howling. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Quiet while it lasts. <laughs> yeah, like me and I Emma, mean, I was just like, I said, like, "How oh, we're, we're broke." Yeah. <laughs> unbelievable but um yeah it's it's the it's the whole sort of switch i guess in mindset to you just at first you're just thinking like right we're just we're gonna we're just gonna raise this baby and then it's like okay family life schooling and we talked in the past about like neighborhoods in london and like wanting to be in multicultural neighborhoods it's I tell you now, like a lot of that stuff <laughs> goes out the window when you actually when you actually end up in the in this situation it goes out the window, you're like, where can I where can I live? Where can I be? Where can I be?
0: I love that we're just like, ah ha ha yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. jokes on you. <laughs> yeah.
3: This feels really cruel actually. <laughs> but um
1: Daddy told me that you should just gentrify your own hood.
3: Gentrify my own hood, yeah. So we uh but it's interesting, we, it's, we're going to North, we'll just call it North. North East. North, you wanna call it North I wanna call it North We're gonna call it North And it's, we're still in the tube situation. So the Utes gonna have a, a London upbringing. Mm. It's got a father from, secretly from Bromley. <laughs> and now <laughs> the Utes gonna be born in central London. Yeah. Which I don't feel quite good about. That's amazing. In the long and short of it. And we've had lots of different conversations about the pod because, you know, it's a split between people who are not having children, people like, "Eh, maybe not, but it's, (laughs) I know you've just got a sort of alternative angle on, you know, talking about family life as someone who's not gonna have kids and and what that entails for you.
0: Yeah, well, it's not like I never, ever, ever want to have kids. I just mm. have no desire to have kids. And I feel like that confuses people. But I just, I, I've always been open to the idea. But the older that I get, there's like the, okay, well, I still don't have the desire. And if I were to ever have kids, I just feel like I'd probably go more of the adoption route. Um, purely from like a, I don't know, that just appeals to my own sort of ethics. And I'm so like, eats. if I...
3: There's a lot of youths in the world. That's what I mean.
0: There's a lot of people who need families. And that's kind of how I've always felt too about being maybe not a parent, but like a mentor. Like I love the idea of being a coach and um, actually my grandpa, shout out grandpa Rodney. Uh, he was um, high school, college uh, coach of like sports coach for a lot of different people. and. Every time we'd go out into the world, like wherever we go, there's always people who are like, Coach Downs, Coach Downs, Coach Downs. Like he just knows and he's just been a mentor to so many people. And I was like, you know what? That's really beautiful. So, like, even though I don't want to necessarily be a parent or give birth to my own kids, like I can still be a figure or a role model or a good example or mentor to somebody. Mm. Um, So that's kind of where my head is at now. That being said, I still have a life that I want to craft, yeah. like a planet that I want to craft. I still care about future generations. I have a younger sister who's 10 years younger. Like I care about the education she's got, the, um, the things that are going to be accessible to her. Um, so it's not that I don't care about these things and I'm yeah. like, fuck them kids, and just like. Well, well, seriously. But uh, yeah, like <laughs> I, Fuck them kids. <laughs> I mean, for me personally.
3: It, it's finally like really interesting because when I used to, I remember when I used to like go back home at Christmas and people's, ev- everyone's just on their own sort of life track, but mm-hmm. you go back home and are like, oh how you doing, what are you up to? Are uh, you still in London? And then like, people who'd stayed there and, and like got settled, got married, like to them, that was, that was their end. So that yeah. was an end. So have you done that yet? Oh, what are you doing? You haven't got your own house. And then, so what I'm doing is not, what not a worthwhile thing. And then I might then go to go back to London after Christmas. And then you talk to friends in London and, and they're actually like, well, having a good time. Yeah. But you're, and suddenly I'm now doing the thing that I want to yeah. achieve. So it's like, I'm the one who's actually further along the path. And then I might turn, and then there's a, a, a different friend in London, and it's like there's just everyone's on these these absolute parallel journeys. Mm-hmm. But you realise it's this, there's this constant thing where you've got people making value judgments on the deci- the the type of life that you've decided to have in that moment, yeah. and mm-hmm. you cannot let yourself like get uh, bogged down or or, or thought about. Um, in in a certain way and you know, I'll I'll, I'll sort of open open this up to, to, to other people.
2: Yeah, I, I found it quite triggering possibly the last few months. Because obviously yourself being one of them my friends are just having Waleapah kids, man. It's mm-hmm. it's mad. Um I personally found it easier to deal with and, and just a caveat, I do wanna be a dad. I do want to have kids not too far down the line but maybe the next few years, three, four, five, I don't know. So it is something that I see in my not too distant future, but it always felt almost, it, was, it felt very, very separate because typically like you were alluding to that, mm. most of my friends who had children were, were friends that I was at school with. They went to university, gravitated back, then set up their life in and around the village that we grew up in. So there was a real separation for me in terms of that's up there and then there's this life down in London That's not the case anymore. I've got several friends in London that have got kids. Um, And as much as I still do want them, what I've found weird is, and it's the same with with Jan as well, the closer we seemingly get to being in that position, I think the less we feel that we want to change our lives right now. Mm. Like Mm. We're very, very happy where we are um, which is quite a triggering thought because it's like in the back of your mind, in terms of your age, in terms of what's happening around you, I should be feeling more ready now. I should have this yearning. And it's- Well,
0: but you're shitting all over Yeah, yourself. no, this, 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 is, this is what I mean. This yeah. is
2: what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> <Shitting>. <laughs> Big
3: up I like, that. I like that. Yeah, she and, and, that and, to me. And that's, and
2: that's <laughs> what is tough to deal with because it's trying to strike that balance of Logically, I understand my emotions and I understand why there is that confusion there. But then I use an example, I was at one of my best friend's house the other day. It was his kid's thir- his kid's third birthday. They've just had a, a little one who's two months old. And I've never been so introverted in my entire life. <laughs> like the amount of kids running around, parents who you have half of their ear because they have to watch the kid with the other one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just, I really want that at some stage, but I I feel like I'm running further and further away from it. Mm -hmm. And it's a weird feeling because it sounds counter, it feels counter to what I always thought I would feel like right now, Mm -hmm. which is a tough thing to to really kind of come to terms with.
0: But I mean, I think that's so the other reason why I approach my life this way is because it has given me an immense amount of freedom yeah. to not be like, I'm desperate for kids. And then also even in relationships, the fact that like I was never the one who was like, I want a boyfriend or like I needed this. Like I just fell into a relationship that actually worked because I had the freedom to be like, this feels comfortable. And if it didn't, then fine, like I yeah. don't care. And it's the same with kids. Like I don't feel that pressure So that, and I also don't believe that, you know, the biology of it all aside, I don't believe, I think now we live in a time where you can really craft and curate the life that you want. Like you can really like paint and shape the life that you really want. I Mm. really do believe that. And even let's say if I didn't want to have kids and I wanted to have them older, there are ways to do that now. Yeah. So I feel like, that is such a nice feeling to not have that pressure. Yeah, and I don't know. I guess I would just encourage you to kind of like shift that perspective because you, you know, there's time. There's no, 100%. there's plenty of time. One
2: hundred. I think part of it is so. If I go back two years, not long into my relationship with Jan, we were serious. I thought that marriage and babies were on the horizon at some stage, mm-hmm. um, and that's when I had my first foray into therapy and one of the whole one of one of the most important things for me I think going into it was I wasn't raised around a happy marriage I didn't know what black love looked like mm. I didn't have my dad in my life growing up so I was like these are all things that I didn't have I need to come to terms with them I need to figure it out so that I can be those things and I can provide those things to a potential child mm-hmm. a potential wife etc um and I think because I am so much clearer on those things now. Like I don't have the the nagging thoughts, the doubts that I used to have about myself and my ability to to play those roles in the future. I don't have those anymore, and yeah. I think that in going into therapy, I thought right once these are in place, then we settle yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's part of the confusion. It's like, well, wait, my mind's fine now. Yeah.
3: yeah. Why, why do I want kids right now? Like it's 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 crazy. That's it's a weird. It's not. That's just unfortunate the way life works yeah, it's it, not at it's all not at all like we, are, we I, we and we talking to a friend of mine ralph and it, this was like back in in may and i don't know if i've not been a uh, relationship like i know you and Yana. it's like i remember me and emma had, had like had a disagreement about something and ralph was like he said i think you need you need to realize like with with men and women is as a, as a as a man said you always think it's worse than it is he's like i was like oh, i think this is like this conversation's on life support and it was actually <laughs> a really like it was just like i just not i just not told her something yeah. and she's like you, you should have told me this da, 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 da. and i was like maybe maybe i'm just not sort of like mature enough to to figure this out and Ralph was just like well it's like damn no, basically in with when you're in a relationship with all like the big things with when you're talking about like money or you're talking about like uh children or you're talking about a house or whatever it's like there is there is never going to be you think there's going to be a time when you are 100 percent mature and your job sorted out and you've got the exact amount of money that you need and you're just going to arrive at this woman that you love with like a, a five-year-old who speaks six languages, and you're like, okay, <laughs> ready for this life with you. Like, it's like it's not that's not the way it works. Like, you get on the way to becoming the person you need to be, mm-hmm. and you commit to being pulled up on the things you need to be pulled up on, and con- and continuing to committing to be better every day. Yeah. And you know, you, yeah. you love that person, and you get on with it because you know that's that's just how it works.
2: It makes me respect our parents so much more. We spoke about it in terms yeah. of not just the financial situation that we're in, but also the lives that we've built around ourselves, and that we are, should be, theoretically, in a way better position to parent, I think, than our parents, I can speak for myself. I think that I'd be in a better position with Jan to be parents to children than my mum and dad's situation when I was first born. But at the same time, I'm like, understanding this as I'm getting older, I think the first time it really came to mind was when my friends were qualifying as doctors and teachers. And I'd look at them on a night out (laughs) when they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing and be like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Our parents, they didn't have a clue either. Mm -hmm. And it's understanding that. And I think it takes quite a while to come to that point where they didn't have a clue. Half of them still don't have a clue, Mm -hmm. but they made it work. And that's that's another thing that I'm less scared of now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah. If I was to have a kid tomorrow, I'm sure
3: it'd be fine. I, I'm I hate
2: myself a little bit, but I'd, I'm sure it'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be broke.
3: <laughs> oh. uh, I'm interested in Angela in, like, in your perspective. Like you've had, you've had, you've had quite an interesting life. Like you've had, uh, you had like your sort of career in oil and gas. You had, uh, and then you sort of moved up, and you 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 were teaching, and then you've you've moved into sort of uh, into well, so beyond you were beyond academia and into writing and then that's on hiatus. And how does all that colour your view when you're up close with what you see as the, well, children that are products of many different types of homes? Hmm. So,
1: <clears throat> again, for the record, I am not intending to have children um, and it's really interesting that I've kind of felt that way for a, at least a decade. Um, but I've spent so much of my life working it, around them. Exactly, yeah. um, Probably why?
2: Actually, <laughs> it, I'm it, joking, it, it, I'm joking.
1: It's probably not actually. I think it's, man it's tough. I'm, I, I, I want the best for people. I want the best for the planet. Uh, we have, too many people on the planet for capitalism to sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those where I, me personally, and this is me personally, this is not a judgment on anybody else. If if you see the world the way that I see the world and you choose to have children, you're being selfish. But that's not to say that having children is selfish. Yeah, sure. It's if you view the world in the way that I do. And the reason for that is, is that I've worked in all different kinds of schools. Um, I've worked in, private schools. I've worked in- You went the wrong way. Not oh, did I? I've worked in private schools. I've worked <laughs> in state schools. Um, I've worked with primary age children. I've worked with secondary age children. I've worked with university aged children. And when you see the damage that, is, that can be wrought upon a child from parents who are not equipped to parent, one of the jobs that you left out, that you didn't didn't know Dan is, I also did some um, secretary work for the Children and Adolescent Mental Health Service. And that was one of the places where I just went, people need to recognize how serious a pe- being a parent is because yeah. I was seeing, the thing is, if a child gets into CAMS, like there's definitely something wrong. Like yeah. the waiting list is so, is so crazy yeah. and it's so insane. And I was seeing the worst of the worst things happen. And I and I don't wanna, I'm not, I'm not a hero in this story at all. I think it's something to do with the compassion that I feel for people is why I wouldn't wanna be a parent because even though I've you know, gone to therapy, I'm, in my own personal opinion, way too messed up to be kind of looking after life that I've brought into the world. I'm really good at looking after something at the end of the day going, there's your kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, he's had a whole heap of skills. And uh, <laughs> uh, i it's, have it's, basically given it the child version of like crack cocaine. So like, you can <laughs> deal with that now. Um, and I, I look at you, Dan, I look at you, Dom, and I go, these are two people that recognize that they're not perfect. They've gone along the therapy route. They are hyper aware of the stereotypes, are hyper aware of some of the pitfalls and and the, even the fact, Don, that you talk about being nervous um, and kind of not having that desire and speaking so frankly, I go, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I just cannot, I think, I listen to my friends that have got kids and they they fall down a couple of different camps. There are those that are like, and I'm not even joking when I say this, but there are those that are like, I just wanted to secure the legacy. Uh, I want to kind of make sure that my family name lives on. Well, <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. I think that whole thing is so funny. But do you know why yeah.
1: I don't have that? My mum's <laughs> surname is Mackenzie. My dad's surname is Daly. My surname is Irving. Which <laughs> name am I trying to make? <laughs> <live on? It's laughs> not fucking Wakanda. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? We're well, starting a new surname. Uh, like, it's it's
2: ridiculous. Sorry, that's other people's business. It's not. <laughs> <my>
1: business. <laughs> but 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 so so that uh, idea of securing a legacy, Oh, which legacy am I trying to secure? <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't even. <laughs> like, what are you went way on in there for no reason. <laughs> but so I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. Um, the second reason is <laughs> kind of they feel like a maternal and paternal instinct. I don't feel that. Um, I, I, I like kind of, you know. So like, like shout out to um, my friend Adrian and his partner. For me, they uh, welcomed their daughter into the world at like one o'clock this morning. Um, mm. That was their second child. Old time you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll go and uh, like look after the older one who's like four if, if they need some respite and then I'll hand them back. And like, I, I just feel that if not wanting to have children doesn't necessarily mean that I hate kids. It just means I feel that I would be best, better served educating children mm. or providing support to families um maybe in the future there is a chance to foster or yeah. or even adopt but i just there's 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 what there's about eight million people on the earth me not having kids ain't that it, it needs
2: to stop now it's really winding me up and i know obviously yeah. women get this way more than men do but i am sick to death of it always being when why how come? I heard, yeah. I was in a conversation with one of my friends recently, and I was saying exactly what I just said to you all. I find it a bit, it's a bit overwhelming at the moment in terms of all of everything that's happening around me. And he was like, Well, that's what you're supposed to do at our age. I was like, What do you mean that's what we're supposed to do? Like, that needs to stop. Just because that's what felt right for you, or that's what happened to you, doesn't mean that that needs to be the way for everybody. Let people work at their own time and their own pace and their own way that they want to do it. Because literally, honestly, I'm not joking. I feel like, the pressure, and I'll, some of it is implicit, some of it is explicit. The explicit p- pressure is pushing me further away from it. Genuinely, like my mum has stopped mentioning it now because <laughs> I said to her, uh, "Keep mentioning it. I'll push
1: it back. <laughs> I'll push it back." <laughs> Fuck with me, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try me. I many times like you said "try me" in the past? Try me, honestly. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what's really funny? A week last Wednesday, do you know what I did? I was like, "I'm gonna go on holiday." Yeah. Week last Friday, do you know what I did? I went on holiday. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's and I don't say that to like stun on those that are about to have kids or that have kids. I don't want to be like that guy that was like, look what I can do that you can't, and like just sniffed a flower and was like, you No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like that's that's the place of my life that I'm in. Um, but you know, in my day to day I will work with children and young people. But also, you not only is it a case of we need to stop doing that, it's like, do you want this is not this is the rule you do you want the children that you have to be on a planet that's sustainable? Because if that's the case, you're gonna need to make some decisions. Um, Like, we all got phones. There is a war that's been going on for at least four decades in the Congo. And it's changed recently because the Colton that is in our phones that allows them to operate is the reason why there is conflict there. That is absolutely the reason why there is conflict there. Um, there is conflict in what, four of the of the six continents that, that that man lives on right now. And that's only because ain't nobody really trying to take a plane over to Australia and really kind of <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It's like, Cause, oh, cause bro, just allow it, bro, allow it. Um, killed all the Tasmanians as well, so. Well, and and, and they bred out a lot of the uh, indigenous oh. people. Mm-hmm. Go and check your history. Like this is not me being. No, no, I know. Wild. I mean, that's what it um, sounds with the way they were. But so it's like, if you, if I can under, I can't understand wanting to have children and not being an ecologist. I can't understand wanting to bring life onto the planet and not care that the planet is like, bro, like it's 2:30 and the dance, like y- you gotta go.
0: Well, that's yeah. why I think like we do actually need to have those conversations of like not we need to normalize people being like I don't want to have kids. I don't want to bring more people onto this planet. And for the people who genuinely have that desire to do it, because that is one of the most instinctual Instinctual things that some people can have. Like, I'm not saying that those people should overcome it, but then we do need to stop putting pressure on the ones who are like, I don't want to do that. And I shouldn't, you should actually encourage the people who are like, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm, (laughs) I'm happy to not do that. I'm happy to like, help mentor the, care relief, of the people. Really? Yeah, like uh, help mentor the people who are already here.
3: Yeah, I mean, if it takes a village to, to raise a child, someone's got to fix does. the roof. Oh, I'll tell you one other thing that, that pisses me off. When people talk about, and I hope you
2: don't start doing this, talk about last holidays, this is our last thing. Mm-hmm. It's like My boy, you know Richie. Mm. Richie has a <laughs> five month old baby. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful little boy. They're in Thailand for three months right now. <laughs> One of the things that you new parents do, which annoys me is you make it sound like your life is about to end before you have a child, but then you ask me why I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Like you can still live,
0: yeah. go
2: and enjoy your damn self. Your child is part of your life. Why not create an amazing life together? Because the messaging,
1: it don't really sound like you probably think it does. Dom, you and Jana welcome over at mine anytime for some adult drinks, you know what I'm saying? Like we can, we can have a little wine, and like, you know what I mean? Big people drinks, you know what I mean? Should, should, we, should we go back to the Argarve next? actually <laughs> <You laughs> literally just jump on a plane. We've talked about so much about love. I want to talk about hate. What do you hate? What grinds your gears? Marches.
2: Oh. Boom, 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 boom,
1: boom. <laughs> We're recording on the seventh. Yeah. Uh, there are uh, planned protests on the 11th of November um, in uh, calling for a ceasefire in support of uh, Palestine, asking for the bombs to stop and for humanitarian or humanity, I guess, to restart. And this is obviously a super sensitive topic that's happening in real time. None of the four of us are going to sit here and pretend that we are experts on the Middle East. That's not what we want to talk about. Swella so, Braverman. Ben <laughs> 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 uh came on T V and described them as hate marches and there has been a, a an attempt to smear anybody that is by this specifically the Conservative government, anybody that is uh supporting uh the right to Palestinians living as anti Semitic or um in some way uh having a hatred. Of of Jewish people. Walking and chewing gum, we always mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There has been an increase of anti semitic attacks. There's also been a massive increase of Islamophobic attacks. Mm-hmm. Bet nobody knew that November is Islamophobia Awareness Month.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't have known unless Keir
1: Starmer told me. Did he? <laughs> Steer Karma, Steer said it. Um, <laughs> but my point is, is that and and I'm not saying it. Baroness Varsi, who is a conservative peer, is saying it that Suella Braverman is uh, stirring up culture war. She had an opportunity to be statesmanlike, and instead chose culture war. And it's been done for the most venal of reasons, which is we think that this might win us votes. And that, I'm sorry, it's got to the point where people are forced to now... What, I think what this government has done is it's forcing people to make a stand because I can't think of anything that is more in keeping with the spirit of Armistice Day than calling for ceasefire, <laughs> than calling for a cessation of violence and I think that people that go on those marches should be viewed as people that want peace now, there are going to be those that say, well, you know, there are going to be people that, that do stupidness. More peop- people get arrested at Glastonbury. People get arrested at football matches every week. I've never heard, I have never in my life heard of just a standard Premier League football match that led the news with 14 people got arrested for being drunk and disorderly at a football match with 60,000 people there. And I just, my concern. And this was always the concern with having Suela Braverman, with having Friti Patel, with having Sajid Javid, with having, what's his face? Bad shape up in, in the treasury. Um, quasi-quate. Quasi-quate. <laughs> the Your problem boy. with having people of color in those posts is that I think the, one of the beliefs uh, that behind putting those people in post is that you make them immune from certain types of criticism that actually we should celebrate the fact that we have people of color in these posts, even though they are um, advancing terrible agendas. Mm-hmm. And I think it is so important that anybody that has a platform, and if this is nothing else, is a platform, to call that out and say, that is BS, um, we need to very much stop these culture wars. And you have to now, and we were talking about before we came in, you have to pick a side on certain topics, you have to actually vocally pick a side. And, I don't think it's kind. I don't think I'm being a revolutionary. I'm against the side of Suella Braverman calling people marching for who are saying they are marching for peace, calling them hate marchers.
3: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Basically, it's they're grasping for a wedge issue, and have been. They tried uh, car car parking spaces and and low traffic neighbors, and it's anything which is which is close by. It's it's any port in a storm. And that conservative ship is going down, and it's you know it's abhorrent that they saw this as an opportunity, <laughs> and luckily for them, to an extent, the right wing's also keen to um, to use this in order to silence their opponents, and the opponents being people who might march, people who might make uh, power uncomfortable, people who might want to fight for the rights of others, who who can't necessarily speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the jig is up ultimately, like you can't, uh, no matter what telegraph headlines and mail headlines might say, I don't think anyone's buying it as, as far as I can see.
1: Let me ask you a question, I and I've thought about this. Um, do you think <coughs> the Tory party is currently constituted is a death cult. I mean, that sounds like... It's not clickbait. <laughs> sounds it's like fighting talk. No, no, okay, <laughs> so so one of, one of the things that's happening at the moment is we've got the COVID inquiry. Uh, anybody that's been following along can see that uh, Boris Johnson went full Michael Jordan uh, and was like, fuck them old people. Uh, they should have seen it as their duty uh, to shuffle off this mortal coil. Um, we've obviously got Suella Bravman in calling this hate marches, and we've had the most predictable thing, which is that um, Yaxley, Tommy Robinson has kind of now said that England, your country needs you on the 11th of the 11th. So now we're gonna have agitators at this, that it's obviously a call for violence. <laughs> and the, there is going to, there is there is a high likelihood. Oh yeah, I there's the we,
2: also the, the war against homeless people
1: now that are making yep, these, the, the, the choice, the, 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 the choice. These, these rich motherfuckers. Beyond be on the, the streets. streets. It's, but these are oh, crazy. Part, so when I ask part, that question, sorry, don't, uh, Dan, when I ask that question, that is the context in which I ask it. Yeah. Part of me is like, uh, these are the,
3: as, as i'm not surprised by these things and it's the usual suspects saying and doing the usual things like of course you should call it out but after a point i is it just the drunk person outside the pub and that that it's yes it's in a position of power and that's the weird situation that we find ourselves in we've got this person who without a mandate that no one's agreeing seemingly making policy on the hoof that we're, we're powerless to stop it. And that, this is, it's, it's pretty unprecedented as far as I've seen to have someone with that amount of power, with those wild ideas, without any kind of mandate, doing things no one agrees with, and we've all got to just sit and watch it. That's the mad thing.
2: It, the fact, sorry, I know we're running out of time. The fact that we have the Labour Party in its current form makes her so much worse. And mm-hmm. I think if we had a credible opposition I wouldn't be thinking about Suella Braverman anywhere near as no, much as I am shouldn't be. because I'd be there like, oh well, her days are definitely numbered. I don't even know if I could vote for Labour right now. I'm, I predict having Parliament. Well, there we go. So it's like, so, so maybe, maybe she is actually really, really dangerous because there isn't an alternative right now. My man has already got that dad level of sleep. You know? <laughs> 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 I, I told you last
3: night, last
1: night,
2: last night. If I was up until That's half two. Banging Mexican heads together.
3: <laughs>
1: Working on the toilet. <laughs> <Dimbling>. <laughs> it's
3: it's it's quiet down there, quite peaceful. Mm-hmm. It's anyway. like being in a in a galley. You know, it's just really narrow, not much going on, cold. Like the original the original um, studio space. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's been another episode of Black in a Box Podcast. Thank you, Tom. Cheers, mate. Ali. Thank you. Ciao. See you.